Hey guys, you are listening to the Rima Chapel Podcast, which brings the message of Jesus Christ to the lost all across the globe. Today's speaker is Reverend Manuel Tete, pastor of Living Streams International, UK. Hope you enjoy the message. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Amen, amen. It is wonderful to be here again. I just love your pastor. He's he's such a great man. He's my senior brother. And everything that you see and admire about me, I've learned it from him. Praise the Lord. So he's he's such he's such a wonderful, warm person. You 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 need to get to know him. Get to know him. Get closer to him and get to know him. The more you know him, the more you love him, the more you appreciate him, the more you can receive from him. Hallelujah. I call him the well. You remember? He's a well, a well of wisdom, a well of knowledge, a well of everything that you can think of. There is no subject from A to Z that he doesn't know anything about. So you need to get close to this man. You want to thank God that he has given you such a man. And he's, he's your man. He's the right man. He's the right man. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so I thank God for your life and for the opportunity to be here to share fellowship with you. I want us to look quickly at Isaiah chapter 40 from verse 29 to 31. Something that God has for you. And God is going to speak to you. And the Bible says, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. When Jesus said that, he already knew that everybody had two of these things slapped to the side of their head. And yet he said, He that has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the church. And so he wasn't referring to these ears. It was referring to something else. You need some kind of ears to be able to hear what the Spirit is saying. And I pray that God will give you a listening ear this afternoon. The ear that hears the Spirit. So that there will be an unequivocal sound from God that you can hear. If all you hear is one word, that is what you need. The Spirit is talking to you. And may God give you an ear to hear the Spirit. And the Bible said from Isaiah 40 and verse 29, said, Have you not known and have you not heard? Have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, now he had to give him three different titles. He had to make reference to him in three different ways to tell you about his track record. To tell you, I'm going to talk to you about a certain person. And the person I'm talking to you about, he is what? The everlasting God. He is the Lord and he is the creator of the ends of the earth. I want you to see his track record. And this person I'm talking to you about, the Bible says he neither gets weary and he doesn't faint. In God, there is no fainting and there is no weariness. He is a God who is constant. He is full of all power. He is full of all strength. He is full of all 
energy and all might and everything that God is, he is all that all the time. If God has power, he has power all the time. There is no time that God diminishes in his power. There is no time that God gets tired. There isn't a time that God will faint. There isn't a time that God gets weary. And so you need to understand that this is the God that we are dealing with. He neither sleeps nor slumbers. He doesn't go to sleep. If God went to sleep, the devil will kill people. And so God neither sleeps nor slumbers. He doesn't faint and he doesn't grow weary. Fainting and weariness is what happens to men and women. But with God, there is no fainting and there is no weariness. And then he said, there is no searching of his understanding. But he gives power to the faint and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When people wait upon the Lord, God renews their strength. Whenever you come into the presence of God and you meet God, God would always do something in your life. Nobody encounters God and remains the same. It has never happened. If you ever meet God, you can never remain the same. It doesn't matter if you meet God for 5 seconds or 20 years. Anybody who comes in contact with God, anyone who has an encounter with God, would always be transformed. Moses went on a mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. When he came down from the mountain, it was not the same Moses that went up that mountain. The Bible says that the glory of God rubbed on his face and his face was shining like the sun. And it was so bright, the expression of the glory of God on his face was so bright that people could not look on his face. And Moses didn't even know what had happened to him. But when he met people, they started to do this and they couldn't look at him. And people were running and going back and saying, and Moses didn't know something had happened to him. Until people started to show to him that Moses, we cannot look in your face. Before you left here, we could look at you, we could talk to you. But something has happened after 40 days. There's a glory, there's a radiance. There is something that you are exhibiting. There's something that has rubbed up on you. I don't know where you have been, but Moses, you have been transformed. There is a face that I used to look at, but now I can't look at it anymore. And Moses had to wear a veil because of that. I've come to tell you this afternoon. You can't spend 21 days in the presence of God and your life remain the same. You are no longer the same. I declare to you that there has been a change and there has been a transformation. Those that wait upon the Lord, those that seek God's face, 
Those that come in fellowship with God and they have an expectation of God and they are looking up to God and they are expecting God to do something in their life. If you have fainted in the past and you have come into the presence of God for 21 days, I've coming to tell you this afternoon that you are no longer the same. There has been a change and a transformation in your life. You may not notice it. You may not see it. You may not feel it right now. But when you get out there and people meet you, they will know that something about you has changed. You cannot remain the same. When you wait upon the Lord... He renews your strength. That renewal is a change that takes place. And just like when people think that you are dead and buried and nothing is working for you anymore. Suddenly you spring out. Suddenly there's an acceleration in your steps. Suddenly what was not possible before is now possible. Suddenly you are walking in some realms you didn't used to walk to before. When you wait upon the Lord, he renews your strength. What he's saying to you is that I understand that you faint sometimes. I understand that you get weary, you get tired. But I'm the battery that never runs out. I'm the battery charger. This battery charger doesn't go out. And all you need is spend some time with me and come into my presence and plug into this everlasting God the Lord, the ones who created the ends of the earth, if you plug into him in fellowship and in waiting upon him, you plug into his inexhaustible supply. He never gets weary and he never gets faint. And so as long as you are plugged in, there is no reason why you'll be faint and weary. There is no reason why you'll be faint or weary because this charger doesn't run out. And when he renews you, you begin to mount up with wings like an eagle. And when people are trying to fight the storm, you just rise above the storm. Because that's what eagles do. When everybody is trying to find a place to hide in a storm, an eagle will just mount up and go above the storm. Every storm in your life this afternoon, because of the transformation and the eagle wings that you have received, you are going above every storm. You are going above every storm that the devil has designed for you. And the Bible says that when you run, you will not be weary anymore. And when you walk, you will never faint. God is canceling fainting and weariness in your life. Some of you are just so tired and sick. And you know, I'm also getting sick and tired of those who are sick and tired. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You can't get sick and tired because God has renewed your strength. But you know something, what I ask myself all the time is to what purpose is God giving us all this strength? To what purpose is God giving us all the power? All the might and all the wings he's given us to rise and to run, running where? To do what? We'll run and not faint. We'll walk and not be weary. Walking and running where? What is God's purpose for giving us the things he's given us? Why has God renewed our strength? 
And I've come to the conclusion that God doesn't do anything for anybody just for their sake. And anytime God is doing something in your life, and anytime God touches your life, He is touching your life for a purpose, and He has other people in mind. God never blesses anyone for their own sake. If God blesses you, He blesses you so you will become a blessing. When God touches your life, He touches your life so you will go and touch other lives. There is always a higher purpose, a higher calling on our lives. And that calling is not for ourselves. And so God is not just renewing your strength just so you will walk around and say, I'm getting stronger. Stronger for what purpose? You know, people always ask for the anointing. But what purpose is the anointing for? When you get into God's presence and God gives you his grace and his anointing and his power and you are able to do stuff, what is the purpose? God doesn't give you anointing to make you look good. And God always has something in mind. And you know, Pastor, I've come to realize that because we have lost the purpose why God is giving us things, that's why we're getting tired. And that's why we're growing weary. And we're always charging up. And we have to go and get charged. We have to go and get charged. But we are almost not using the energy we are getting for what God wants it to be used for. What did God call you for? What is your life all about? What do you live for? Why has God saved you? What is his intention for your life? Why is he baptizing you with the Holy Ghost and with power? Why is he giving you all power in heaven and on earth? Why is he giving you power over the, all the power of the enemy that you can take serpents and they will not hurt you? Why does God give us the things he has given us? We were just singing about the king of kings. The who? The king of all kings. You see, we are citizens of an eternal kingdom. And sometimes we lose sight of that. The only kingdom that will remain is this kingdom. <laughs> the European Union will remain forever. But we are out. There is no kingdom on earth that will remain forever. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. And that kingdom is an eternal kingdom. The Bible says the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And he alone shall reign forever and ever. And whatever God has given you and is giving you is for his kingdom. There is no king that becomes a king without God say so. Only the king of kings makes other kings. And there is no king, you know. You remember Jesus' friend, Pilate. Pilate said, are you not talking? Don't you answer all the charges against you? Don't you know I can condemn you and I can release you? Jesus said, you cannot have any power over me unless it is given to you from above. Pilate, you think you have power? You got it from above, brother. 
If you don't get something from above, you can't have it. If God doesn't make you a king, you cannot be a king. He is the only one who makes kings. That's why he's the king of all kings. And we are subjects of that king. We are servants of that king. Pastor, you know what we have lost? We have lost our servant mentality. And this afternoon, I, 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 I was trying hard not to offend you, but I have to. I don't know why God gives me hard messages for you. But whom the Lord loves, he chastises. So it's all in love, brother. Love. We have lost our sense of service. And we have forgotten that we are servants of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And this King, he put aside his glory and he came to die to save us and make us citizens of his kingdom. And the purpose for which we are there is to be servants and to use the energy and the resources and the power and the authority and the anointing to serve the king. But we have lost it. There are not a lot of servants in the house anymore. We have forgotten that our calling, you know, your life doesn't have any definition outside the service of God. If your life is not serving God, it has no proper definition. The definition for your life is that you are a servant of God. Obey God and serve Him. Those are the two things. You know, a lot of times we forget. Jesus said something in Mark chapter 10. I can't read all of it. But from verse 42, some of you get nervous when we don't quote any Bible. You think you are not in church. So let's, let's start. Mark chapter 10. From verse 42. You know, when Jesus was the disciples, suddenly two of them, James and John, went behind the rest of them they went to see Jesus to lobby and they were lobbying for positions. And I have a feeling Jesus was probably tired and having some rest and sleeping. And then they came and said, Jesus, he said, yes, what can I do for you? I'm having some rest. What can I do for you? So Jesus, this is important. You have to wake up. This is very important. So he woke up. Yes, James and John. What is it? Are there some cripples we need to heal? Some dead we need to raise? So, oh, Master, you know, there's something we have been thinking about for a long time. But we don't want the others to know. So that's why we have come to see you ourselves. When you come in your glory, I want one of us to sit on your right and the other one to sit on your left hand side. So when we are trying to serve God, some people are looking for position in the kingdom. They're looking for post. And they go at night to disturb Jesus because don't tell anybody it's Jesus, but make sure that one of us sits on your right and the other one sits on your left. Jesus said, you sit on my left or my right. Can you be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to receive? 
they didn't even understand what he was saying. But when you want post, you are prepared to pay any price. Even if you don't understand the price. Can you drink the cup that I drink? And can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? They said yes, without even understanding what he asked them. Be careful when you're looking for postal. You may end up losing your life before even the post comes. Jesus said, fine. You want the, the, my, the cup I drink, that's fine. You will get that one. You want my baptism, you will get that one. But to sit on my left and my right is not mine to give. It will be given to those for whom it has been prepared. Do you know that somehow the disciples heard about it? I have no clue how the rest of them heard it. I have no clue. And the rest of them were so angry. They were insane. Ah, so all this time we are sitting here. Is that what these two people are about? You think this is about post? And that's why we're here. We've left all our fishing. We left everything. And you, this is about post for you. You know, the, the discipleship gang was going to break up. This is how churches break up. Oh. This was going to break up. And the people, they were so angry. Jesus had to step in. He didn't even ask them, how did you hear it? He said, you know something? When you consider the heathen, when people are giving posts, they like to lord it and dominate other people. That is what the Gentiles do. But in my kingdom, he that will be great among you shall be your servant. And the one that will be chiefest, the one that will be chiefest has to be the servant of all. So the chiefest is the servant of all. If you are going to be great, we have forgotten that greatness in our kingdom is measured by service. It is only servants that are great in the kingdom of God. If you are not serving God, there is no badge of greatness that you can wear. You may be great in the eyes of men. You may be great in the kingdoms of men. You may be great in the eyes of the hidden. But in the kingdom of God, if you are not a servant, you are nobody. Absolutely nobody. So any of you who wants to be great in my kingdom shall be your servant. We don't even realize that the word minister means servant. I'm a minister, a reverend minister. Reverend minister. Like, like, Bolt. Oh, you are saying Bolt now. Reverend, a reverend minister is a reverend servant. It's a glorified servant. The higher you want to go in my kingdom, the more service you must put in. Because if you are going to go up, the way up in the kingdom is from down. If you are not prepared to serve God, 
you will not go anywhere in your life. You know, the thing that will matter the most at the end of the day, when all this is done, all the crying have been cried, and all the demons have been cast out, and everything has been done and finished, the only thing that will matter is, come thou good and faithful servant into my kingdom. That is the only thing that will matter. He's not that good and faithful reverend, that good and faithful pope, that good and faithful archbishop. None of those ones matter. Thou good and faithful servant. The one who will be the greatest among you is the one who serves everybody. Washes everybody's feet. The higher you want to go, the more service you must put in. And I think we have lost our sense of service. And so the energy and the things we have, we are not using it for the purpose for which God gave it. And when you start to do things outside the purpose, you get more tired more quickly. Because when you are using the thing appropriately for the right reasons, you don't get tired. You actually even enjoy it. And you don't feel tired. But I have a feeling that we are leaking strength because we are not using the power where God wants it to be. Our kingdom is different though. But we have started to look at it like the worldly kingdoms. And so people want to be recognized. Recognition is true service. And when God calls you, he's called you to be a servant. Pastor, you know how we have these days we have to cajole people. We have to beg them. You have to go down all fours as if you are trying to propose to some girl who doesn't like you. (laughs) You have to beg. You have to try. You have to twist arms. You have to bribe people to get them to even consider wanting to serve God in the house. Are you feeling ambushed now? <laughs> you have to cajole, twist arms, go on offers, sometimes bribe people. And when, not that they are even going to do it, they are going to think about it. They're going to consider whether they are going to be able. To serve God. If you are not serving God, what are you about? In his kingdom. Hallelujah. Amen. You know something? In Luke 10 and verse 2, Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Because when we hear the word laborer, we put it in a certain rank. And we think we we are too qualified to be laborers. I have a double master's and a double doctorate. So the word laborer doesn't fit. He said the harvest is plentiful and it's ready. 
but the laborers are few. There has never been a problem with the harvest, so God has never been worried about the harvest. God has never had a problem. He never has a sleepless night about the harvest. The only problem God has is with the laborers. So much so that Jesus asked us to have a prayer topic about laborers. He didn't give a prayer topic about other things. The prayer topic he gave us was about put it on your prayer list, brother. Pray for but we are praying for the harvest. And there's nothing wrong with the harvest. The harvest is ready and waiting for laborers. But there are no laborers in the house of God. And when you don't harvest something after a while, the harvest will rot. Because the harvest can't keep waiting to be harvested. What is waiting is the harvest. And we are destroying harvest because harvest can't wait forever. Very soon, it will rot in the field. And when Jesus gives us a prayer topic about something, it must be something that is on his heart. Pray the Lord of the harvest. So he will bring in more laborers. And you know the first people who were put in as laborers? Those who were praying. The people he has to pray, they were the first to go in. And so when you're going to pray for harvest and for, for, for laborers, make sure that you are, you are a laborer yourself. You are getting in there. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, God wants us to serve him with our whole heart. It got to a point in Israel where Joshua just got tired of the whole thing. Today we are serving God. Tomorrow we are not. Today we, want to, we are hot for God. Tomorrow we are worried about all these issues of life. And we just run around everywhere. Joshua got tired. Joshua 24, 15 said, If it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, then choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the God that your father served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites among whom you live. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm tired, oh brother. Make up your mind. Cousin, I'm tired. Make up your mind. Grandfather, make up your mind. Choose you this day. Uncle, choose you this day. Whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve. Hallelujah. So I don't want us to get anointing. We want to get renewal. We want to get strength. We're going to get well for what? For what are we getting all that we are asking from God? We need to serve God with our whole heart. Serve Him with everything we have. Serve God with your time. That's the first place. Serve God with your time. How much time do you allocate? For serving God in your life. Already we have been taught by the psychologists and the welfare people that if you are going to live a healthy life, you have to sleep like eight hours every day. 
Oh, you haven't, they haven't taught it in Germany. Uh, they teach it in the UK. So eight hours average. So out of 24 hours, eight hours is going to sleep. So if you live to be 90 years, you have been sleeping for 30 years. We are not counting the one when you were a baby, you were sleeping longer. But we push it all aside. So by the time you live to be 90, you have been sleeping for 30 years alone. So you had 60 years to do productive service and life. How much of that one goes to God? You see, someone said some time ago, and I believe him. He said, if you want to know how somebody's heart is, get their checkbook and look at all the stops that they have left in there. And you see the places they are writing checks to. It will tell you what kind of person they are. That's where they are spending their money. Well, where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. If you are not spending time with God and for God, you are not serving him. Your time, your talent, every talent God has given you is for his service. It doesn't matter what the talent is. If it's a talent to sing, if it's a talent for sports, if it's a talent for dancing, whatever the talent is, it is for the service of God. Are you using your talents in serving God? I don't know if I've told you this story before. This man who, Elvis Presley, was such a great man. He started in church, he was singing gospel. And then the people from Hollywood, when they see your talent, they approach you and they talk to you and say, you know, you've got something the world needs. And not only does the world need it, it's going to make you so much money and fame and popularity, you have no idea what kind of life you will live after that. And they will wrestle you out and take you. And now he's no longer singing gospel. He's, he's everywhere. His picture, his songs, his albums are everywhere. You know, one day I heard a story about him before he died. It was such a tragic story to hear. I still remember it. So somebody was talking to him and he was singing. He sang some song. There's a particular gospel song. I don't know which one it was. But when he sang that song, he told that the person who was with that, he said, many years ago, when I used to sing this song in church, I used to feel something. Now when I sing it, I don't feel it anymore. The devil has taken your talent away from where God wanted it to be. You've made a name, the fame, the money, accompanied with drugs and everything else. And you destroyed your life and your talent because you went the wrong way. It will not be your portion in Jesus' name. Serve God with your time, your talent, and your treasures. Treasure, treasure. Where your heart is, is the same place you find your treasure. Whatever God has blessed you with, use it to serve him. Use it to serve him. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, <laughs> that nobody, absolutely nobody, no man, no woman, no child, no educated or non-educated, doesn't matter. Nobody can serve two masters. Nobody can serve two masters. 
He didn't say you can't have two masters. So please read it carefully. He said no one can serve two masters. You can have as many masters as you choose. He doesn't have a problem with that. You can have as many masters as you want. But when it comes to service, one. You can only serve one master. Because you either love one and hate the other, or you cling to one and boot out the other. Jesus said, no matter how many masters you have in your life, you can't even serve two. You can only serve one. So by the time he finished, he said, you cannot serve God and money. You can't serve God and riches. You can't serve God and material things. You have to choose. Now you're feeling really ambushed. You have to choose. Who is calling the shots in my life? In Malachi 1 says, he said, a, father, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? Honor. And if I be a master, where is my fear? Where there is no fear and there is no honor, don't talk about the relationship because it doesn't exist. Am I the master of your life? Am I the one you are serving? Or are you serving? There is such a great contrast. God and Mammon, there's always a fight between them. They're always fighting for our allegiance. If you'll be honest, you'll admit it. Because when it comes to money, the motivation we have is different from when it comes to God. Is anybody honest in this room? When there is money to be made, and we, we, when we are talking about good money, big money, life transforming money, our motivation is completely through the roof. But when it comes to God, People are even late for church. They will be walking. But they won't be late to where they make money. Who is calling the shots? And in a certain way, you are saving money rather than God. Check your motivation when it comes to God. And ask yourself, do I put in the same effort? When it comes to money, you, ah, you set two alarms. <laughs> just in case one fails. There's one on your phone. There's one on your watch. There's another one on the wall. And the one in your watch, you put it under your pillow. Close to your ear. (laughs) 
No one can serve two masters. You can have a lot, but you can't even serve two. You can only serve one. Where is your service of God? I think that's where we have lost it. And God is calling us back. And you see, there are a lot of people today who will feel more honored if Frau Bundy's counselor gave you a job in her office. You will feel better than doing some work for God. You feel more honored. And you take it more serious. And you will talk more about it. You will let everyone, the whole of Billy Fed will know in five minutes that you work in the office of Frau Bundy's counselor. If you had an audience, you had an appointment one time for whatever reason to have a meeting with the Bundist counselor, you will frame it and send some to Africa. (laughs) When you have a meeting with the king of kings in the church, how do you see it? Praise the Lord. You are welcome, my dear. We are all serving God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yes. You see, we forget. Thou good and faithful servant, that's the only thing that matters. When everything is said and done, will you be a good and faithful servant? People came and said, oh, man, we cast out devils in your name. We healed the sick. We raised the dead. We did all this in your name. He said, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Before he even said workers of iniquity, he said, I never knew you. And so people can do all kinds of things in his name, but he doesn't know them. Will you be a good and faithful servant? Service is the key. You know when Samuel was called by God, he couldn't hear God. Here is a prophet. Somebody's being called to be a prophet and can't hear God. Have you even imagined that before? A prophet that God has called him twice, he still can't hear that it's God. In your eyes, you'll be disqualified. He can't be a prophet. Because God is calling him and he can't hear. And he went to Eli. Three times. Eli said, "Ah, God is calling you. If he calls again, just say these words. Master, speak for your servant heareth. At that time, even Eli, he had backslided. And God wasn't happy with him. But he had walked in places where he had keys in his hand. He was the one who gave Samuel the key to hear God. And there are times you, you find somebody say he's a prophet. Because he's a prophet, a priest or a pastor can't teach him anything. Go and ask Samuel. A priest gave him the key before he could hear God. 
And you can imagine how frustrated God was. He was like, he's standing in the tent. Because somewhere, somewhere, he called him twice. He's like, God is getting frustrated. Can't you hear me? Somewhere, somewhere. But until the priest gives you the key, you will not even hear them. And so the, God came the third time and he said, Master, speak for your servant here. Now you are ready to serve. Now you hear God. What he gave him was the servant key. Because if you are not prepared to serve God, there is no reason why God has to give you anything and talk to you. What is the purpose? What is the purpose? Your life only makes sense in your service of God. Trust me. I can't say this enough. Because one day everything will pass. Heaven and earth will pass away. Everything will pass away. All your troubles will pass. There's nothing that is permanent. Everything will pass away someday. It will be left with you in front of your master. Make an account of your stage. And you know what? When God is calling you to service and he calls you, he doesn't start giving you big, big things from the beginning. In Luke 16... You will find that there. From verse 10 to 12, I think it is. He said, he that is faithful in little will be faithful in much. So God will start you off with little things. Sometimes just come in to arrange the chairs and come and set up the place in church. That is sometimes how little it can be. But when you are faithful in little, then God will give you much. When you are faithful in the unrighteous mammon, then God will give you the true riches. In other words, God will try you out with material things, money, riches, and stuff like that. If you show yourself faithful in those things, that's when God will give you the true riches. You, you see, when you have when you have a hundred euros, I'm still very British, so my mind is. When you have hundred euros and you can't pay ten pound tight. What makes you think that when you get a thousand euro, you pay hundred? Even a ten you can't pay. And hundred you think you will pay? You are deceiving yourself. And so God will test your faithfulness with money. And if you are not faithful with how you handle money, God won't give you the true riches. So money and all these material things, they are not true riches because we will leave them behind one day. They are not true riches. You see, if, if your money matter is a big problem in God's eyes, God won't give you the anointing. Oh, I'm telling you straight. The anointing is true riches. Oh. The empowerment to get things done that only God can do, that's what the anointing does. And that's true riches. But God said, before I give you true riches, I have to test you with money. If you have a problem with money and how you handle it in the eyes of God, God will never give you the anointing. You can pray and fast and somersault and hang off the chandeliers and speak all the tongues you know. You won't get the anointing. Because see, if your heart is in the wrong place and your heart is motivated by money, and you can't part with money to serve God, then when God gives you the anointing, you will bottle it up and sell it. You will package it and sell it. 
you start doing strange waters in bottles and put a price on it. This one for barrenness problems. 100 euro. 5 milliliter bottle. Put it in your bucket, fetch water, and bath three times with it. Your barrenness problem will be solved. Then you put another one in another bottle. This one is for cancer. This cancer anointing water. That one is 4,000 euro. If your heart is not right and you can't be parted with your money, God won't give you the anointing because you will sell it for money. And God tests your heart with how you treat your treasure. Because if God sees that he gives you money and you put it in his kingdom and in his service, what do you think he will do? He will stop giving you. He will give you more. So you can supply into his kingdom. And when God sees where your heart is, that's when he supply. He said, I will also test you with what belongs to another person. Some, God will give you another person's child to look after. If you maltreat that child, yours is not coming. When you say, because this is for another person, I can do it anyhow I want. That's what this church is for, Pastor Sami. So me, I'm I'm cool. I just do I just do enough. Just the bare minimum is all right. But when I do my own church, you can come and see. You, your church is not coming. You can come and see. Come and see what. When you are not faithful in what is another man's, you will not have what is yours. I want to read something to you from Matthew 11. You see, you are not just in a new year. You are in a new decade. And God is trying to reset your decade. And if you really have ears to hear what God is saying to you, your life will be so transformed. You will see how things will change in your life. Matthew 11. It's a verse we, we quote quite a lot. And we like to talk to unbelievers about it a lot. But I, today I wanted to talk to you. Praise the Lord. Are you in Matthew 11? From verse 28. People have preached this to unbelievers all the time. Hey, come unto me, all ye that labor and a heavy lady, and I will give you rest. Okay, that's all right. What about the next verse? Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. For I am what? Meek. And you find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I thought he said he's giving you rest. Come unto me, all you that labor, and a heavy lady. Heavy lady means you are carrying stuff you can't carry. You are laboring, 
and you are carrying stuff you can't carry and you are almost dying under the weight of the burdens of life and he said if you are like that come unto me and I'll give you rest so he think rest is now he's going to give you a chair to sit down and give you cold water and drink you know what the rest is take my yoke upon you so you were carrying some yoke before now he's giving you rest he's giving you another yoke you haven't, you haven't seen it like that before I'm sure. You are only replacing one yoke with another. I've come to tell you that no matter who you are, you are carrying one kind of a yoke or another. Everybody is carrying something. Everybody is carrying a yoke. You are either carrying the yoke of the devil or you are carrying the yoke of Christ on your shoulders. Nobody has rest. Come on now. He said, take my yoke upon you. That is the rest I'm giving you. You are only free if you are a servant of Christ. It is the yoke of Christ that makes you free. He said, my yoke is easy. And the burden I will give you is light. You can make a choice. You either like my yoke or you keep the one you have. I don't know what choice you have made, but I think you haven't heard it like this before. So this is the time for you to start to think. Am I carrying a yoke? Your freedom is defined by a yoke. Nobody is truly free unless they are free to serve God. Your freedom is in serving Christ. Otherwise, you take on another yoke, the one you had before. You know when God was setting them free from Egypt and they were going, and they had some difficulties. They said, ah, why are we suffering here? Why must Moses bring us here to come and kill us? Kill all of us here? Why? As if there are no graves in Egypt and all that, and he wants to kill us? Here we have no water, we can't get food to eat. In the place where we were in Egypt, we used to eat garlic, and we have garlic, we want to go back. So, because of garlic. What? Garlic. You have been slaves for 430 years. That didn't mean anything to you. But because of garlic, you prefer to go back to be slaves. Garlic and leeks. Nobody is free. You think you are in the church, so you are free. You are not free. Your only freedom is to serve Christ. If you are not serving Christ, you are carrying another yoke. And you see, that's why you are getting tired. You are getting tired because you are carrying some yoke God didn't give you. Because my yoke is easy. And my bedding is light. So I don't understand why you are getting tired. But let me charge your battery. Because I don't want you to die under that yoke. So I'll charge your battery. Give you, renew your strength. But you have to discover what it is you are supposed to be doing with that strength. Hallelujah. Somebody says, let him hurry up and finish. No, no, no. I'm not in a hurry. You can see how relaxed I am. I'm in no hurry. I'm in no hurry. You know, Pastor, there are some, there are some scriptures that don't get preached today, oh. There are some scriptures that don't get preached today. I'll show you one of them. Luke chapter 17. 
Luke 17. If you have ears and you hear what God is saying, your life will be transformed. Luke 17 from verse 7. You know, Jesus said something. I'll just try and paraphrase some of it. He said, which of you who has a servant? And the servant is working in the field or he's tending the flock and all of that. When they come home, will you tell the servant to go and have something to eat? He said, no, no, no. Masters don't behave like that. When your servant has been out there all day working the fields or tending the sheep and looking after the animals and everything, when they get home, that is phase two of their jobs just about to start. You don't say go and get ready to eat. No. You say you go and prepare for me what I, my, the master has to eat. Prepare that one and when you finish preparing it, change your clothes and wear your waiter dress and put on the tie and all the apron and everything and come and serve me and when you are finished serving me, you stand there and wait and wait on me with the napkin and everything and when I finish eating and I'm satisfied and I've used the toothpick to clear everything that I don't want then you the servant can go and prepare something to eat for yourself then he said but does the master even thank the servant for doing those things he said, surely not. The servant doesn't thank him. He said, likewise you also. When you have done all the things that you have been told and commanded to do, what you should say is that we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Today, if you don't thank people in the church, they walk away. walk across to the next church waiting for Thanksgiving. (laughs) They are not only angry with the pastor, they are angry with the pastor's God too. But they are forgetting that the pastor's God is in the other church. As long as I don't see the pastor's face, I'm okay. But the pastor's God you're fighting to is in that church. He's waiting for you. I said, I don't have to thank you. He said, when you finish everything you have been commanded to do, what you should say is that we are unprofitable servants who have done what was our duty to do. There is no accolade. There is nothing you are taking, wearing a badge and say, I'm a proper servant of God. I've done it. So when people start telling you, oh, I'm, I'm Pastor, you know some of the stupid things people talk about these days. Oh, I, how many members do you have in your church? Oh, how many services are you doing? Oh, we, we have built a so-so-and-so cathedral and we have a this and that, a 10,000 seat auditorium and we're doing this and we're doing that. It's all stupid. Me, I delivered myself from those things long ago. Ah! What is that? The first question I ask you, is that what God commanded you to do? If you say yes, I say okay. So you should be saying that you are an unprofitable servant who has only done what was his duty to do. So why are you telling me? Why are you coming to boast? Me, God hasn't told me yet. When he tells me, I will do what he tells me to do. And I won't come and tell you. And compare myself to you. That's all this boasting and all of this. Servants don't think like that. 
last one, then you go. This one, you will like it. Praise the Lord. This one, you will like it. Or should I give you the one you don't like? Praise the Lord. Okay, let's go to Job. Let's just go to Job quickly. Job 36. That's where I'm going to end. Job 36 and verse 11. The Bible says, if they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. If so that is a conditional promise. It is an if. There is a condition. Job 36, 11. If they obey and serve him, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. Contentment. You want to prosper. You want to live your years in contentment and pleasure. Two conditions. Obey and serve him. If you obey and serve him, you will live your days. So it means that in the short term, you'll be prospering short term, day by day. Whatever your hands find to do shall prosper. You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Your leaves will not wither. And whatever you do will prosper. Day by day. Your days you will spend in prosperity. And when we start counting your years, in the long term, your years will be with contentment and pleasure. If you don't remember anything I've said today, remember this one. Stand to your feet and let's pray. Thank you for taking our time to tune in. For more information on our services, visit our website www.wimachapu.org. You can also join us for our weekly conference calls on Thursdays. More details on our website. Also make sure to check our Facebook, Instagram and YouTube platforms.